Hello. Hi, Joanne. How are you? Hi. Hi, Tooney. How are you? Good. 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 My special guest for today, Tooney Rose. And uh, just want to let everyone know a little bit about um, who you are. My longtime friend of been 35, 34 years. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like that? Been, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> And um, my special guest here today is here to talk about a special organization called the Hokahe, and who has been uh, highlighted in a book um, called Women Who Ride the Hokahe, which is written by Abigail Van Valera, and um, who is going to really, you know, give us some information about um, a motorcycle organization its purpose and motive and things like that. So uh, do you want to get started on that, Juni? How about telling us, you know, what the Hokahe is and uh, that kind of thing? Let's start there. Sure. Yeah, let's, yeah. The history of the Hokahe probably is a good place to start. Um, it was started by a man in his, uh, named Jim Redcloud and his wife, Beth. Uh, Jim had a vision to uh, bring awareness to the plight of the Lakota people specifically at the time, the Native Americans in South Dakota in that region. Uh, there's 40,000 people that live in South Dakota on that Indian reservation, and 33% of them don't have running water. So it really, he, him being, uh, uh, you know, the grandson of the chief of the Lakota people, um, Oliver Red Cloud was his grandfather, um, he, you know, really had a desire to bring awareness to this. And, you know, the more, ha- more people that are aware, of course, the more help maybe you can get to, you know, to this problem. Mm-hmm. And so his idea was to have a thousand motorcyclists ride from Key West, Florida to Homer, Alaska, um, offering, he offered a prize the first year, um, first person to get to Alaska uh, won $500,000. Mm. And what you have to do is you have to ride a, a route you've never seen before. You, until that morning, you're handed directions that give you a turn-by-turn route from checkpoint to checkpoint because you'll be having different Harley dealerships that you'll stop at to get more directions taking mm. you from Key West to Homer. Mm. And so nobody knows the route. Um, you have to sleep next to your bike, so no hotels, uh, no GPS, so you can't have, you know, electronic mapping running, mm. running you know, on your, your phone or whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to do this all old school style. So that was the challenge. And uh, uh, it was supposed to bring uh, support to, you know, and also, like I said, the awareness to the, the Lakota people. Mm-hmm. But... Um, he didn't get his thousand riders, so he didn't get the money to support the Native Americans like he had wanted to. So uh-huh. there's still issue. But here we are 10 years later, and we have raised $500,000. We don't give a prize anymore, but we turned it around uh-huh. and raised $500,000 to donate wow. to, mm-hmm. to different nonprofits. The riders choose the nonprofit that they want to support. So if it's mm. leukemia, if it's cancer, if it's, you know, something different, like I say, it's everything from pets to vets because people support, you know, uh, organizations for animals. They support things for our veterans. And there's a lot of needs. 
There's so many mm-hmm. needs out there, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and what was really cool this year with it being a, you know, the year of the pandemic, mm-hmm. most nonprofits don't have any fundraising going because you can't get groups together. But mm-hmm. motorcyclists are social distanced to the finest. I mean, you, there's no problem with social distancing yeah. when you're on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, of course, encouraged our riders this year to use masks when they stopped to get gas and different things like that. But our riders ended up raising $500,000. So, mm. yeah, <laughs> it's amazing how yeah. this 10 years has just progressed to, Mm -hmm. to know what it is, you know, and, you know, eventually we'll get to my story of how God used me, but Mm -hmm. that's, that's the history of the Lakota people, or I mean, I I shouldn't say the Lakota people, the history of the Hokahe Motorcycle Challenge. I see. So the whole original uh, thought, the motivation was to bring awareness to uh, the life, the conditions of the Lakota people and, uh, and give aid. That's right. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they wanted to get running water out there, things like that. But, you know, that is a big infrastructure issue. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're just we're just people. We're not construction companies. We're not. But the more and more we grow, the more and more we do find these people that are in construction, that are in, you know, bigger business and, and want to support, you know, different needs that are out there. Mm-hmm, I see. Yeah. So, and how much of how much of that is political? How much is that as governmental? Well, that you know, you know, Joanne, I couldn't even, I could not honestly mm-hmm. address mm-hmm. because I don't know. You know, I'm right. sure there, I'm sure the dynamic there, you know, plays into it's, it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know during this, uh, just a, I think it must have been at least a week, maybe a week and a half ago, that I saw on. Um, uh, one of the morning shows that I look at, uh, they actually interviewed a uh, person. I didn't get his name or anything, but he was of the uh, Native American uh, tribe organization who was more of a um, community figure. And he was saying how the pandemic was affecting them as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the things that they had to do without governmental assistance mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it was, it was, pretty tragic because I'm not sure if they're even being considered for something like vaccines and things like that. So I Uh think I'll have to, uh, you know, Google and get information on that because when that, when I saw that uh, broadcast, they weren't even talking about vaccines. I mean, the vaccine has only been talking about maybe a week, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, so. Well, I I know when we were out there in August and we were crossing Mm -hmm. the Indian reservations, because one of the things the Hokahe Motorcycle Challenge tries to do is to Mm -hmm. cross different Indian reservations because then it, you know, it does give you a bird's eye view of what the living conditions are out there and stuff. But you know, they are the most content and happy people I've ever met in my life, Joanne. They share, they love, if Mm. they got a dog, it's not their dog, it's the reservation's dog. It's everybody's dog, Uh you know? And and that's the cool part. You can't, they cannot be sad for themselves. They they are such perseverers. You -hmm. know what I mean? It's like, just willingness to, to thrive no matter what. But as I regress there, uh, as we were out there in August, they were taking, taking uh, this pandemic into their own hands by having checkpoints. Like when you would 
come to the, you know, where you would actually be crossing into a reservation, they had police officers and people, public servants there, um, basically interviewing you saying, you know, are you staying? Because you can't stay. If you're just simply crossing, they would take your temperature and they would let you go. But you couldn't stay on the reservation. And I felt like that was a good way for them to initiate, you know, their own, uh, you know, form of protection. Yeah, survival, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they were taking things into their own hands, regardless Mm. of, you know, of what was going on. And but there Mm -hmm. is there is widespread in any rural um poor areas just because they don't have the the medical uh you know means to to uh you know to to address this. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a definitely a an issue for the Native Americans. Right, I, I see that it really is. Um, and just to, um, I know as I was reading the book um, by Abigail, I was just going over a lot of the things that you all have to really consider. And I was trying to see how the effectiveness of what you had to consider for yourself, how would it intertwine with, you know, the emotive and the motivation um, as you said, or what is the man's name? I'm sorry, I didn't write it down. But it's, Jim Red Cloud. Uh, yes. Yeah, Jim Red Cloud. Jim Red Cloud. And, uh, you know, his original intent, you know, okay, for instance, um, you, you all, as writers, as women, had to be concerned about safety. You had to be concerned about um, how you're going to meet the challenge. As you said, nothing up to date was used. To get there, you had to you had a route, you had a route to follow, and that kind of thing. And um, there there was only so much that you could do outside of thinking about uh, the the um, the uh, Lakota people. You had to really consider yourself just even to get there uh, to your final destination, which wasn't where the Lakota people were, right? Exactly. No, right? no, we did go through the reservation that first uh-huh. year, and we met mm-hmm. uh, the chief. So that was kind of cool. The one, it was, it was, they called it a secret checkpoint. Wow. And so you didn't really know where you were going, but it was like, okay, now you got to turn in this driveway and the driveway Uh took you up to the, uh, to the chief's house. So, uh, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the Hokahe riders in 2010 got to meet him, Uh you know, but um, yeah. So no, the, the final destination for the first year for 2010 was Alaska, Key West, Florida to Homer, Alaska. The second year was uh, 48 states and two provinces. So we mm-hmm. started in uh, Arizona, actually, and headed out to the coast of California, rode up Route 1, which I don't know if you know what that is, but that is one crickety road, cliffy. Yeah, it runs what through a lot see- of different states. Yeah, yeah. by our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this is, I'm talking about the ro- Route 1 that runs up the California coast. Okay. Into like Oregon and Washington oh, State. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, we wow. rode that, yeah, the second year, and then we ended in Sydney, Nova Scotia, which is Whoa. the furthest land line, you know, land you could get to Northern America on the East Coast. So we went from all the way oh. from the furthest West Coast, all the way to the oh. furthest to the East Coast. And uh, that took me like almost a month. It was oh. 18,800 miles for me, mm. sleeping mm-hmm. next to the bike that whole time. 
There was Hurricane Sandy, I think, came through New Jersey that year, blowing mm. all kinds of stuff out of the way. And, you know, of course, we had road closures and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. But uh-huh. going back to what you were addressing about as a woman rider of the Hokahei, there are some different things you have to think about, about like you said, the safety issue. I mm-hmm. think hide, because I feel like the more people know where, you know, that I'm out there, the more likely I would have an issue. Whereas if nobody knows you're out there and you're just kind of hiding, I like churches mm-hmm. myself. When I would find a place to sleep, I would try to find a church that was out in the middle of nowhere because you're going to pull in late at night and, uh-huh. you know, you just basically coast in quietly, get your stuff out, get some sleep, get back on the bike and you're gone before they ever even knew you were there. So the church, so- so the church wasn't aware that you were there either? No, nope. Most oh, wow. of the time, no. I had one <laughs> church in Kentucky that I pulled into because it was earlier in the day and it was raining and I just was ready to be done. Uh-huh. And so he knew I was there and he opened up the church so I could use the bathroom. But uh-huh. um, most of the time I try to be real stealthy. You know, uh-huh. I try to hide um, uh-huh. because I do think, you know, I feel like if I'm asleep, you know, I'm pretty vulnerable. Right. You know, whereas with, with, you know, with, when you're awake, of course you can kind of, you know, address these things, but uh-huh. so I, I try and hide and churches are good places to hide. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I that's... feel like, you know, if they, if they did find me, they'd probably offer me breakfast, right? Cause it's a church. Definitely. <laughs> it's, it's definitely the church right? would, but somebody else find you. I don't know what they'll offer, but, you know. Well, I, know I did I, have, I did have police that saw me a couple of times and I told mm-hmm. them what I was doing and they would like almost say, okay, we'll keep an eye on you. Wonderful. So, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. I noticed that she pointed out some things about, um, you know, just the, the, the normal uh, social ways that we have the difference between men motorcycle riders and women motorcycle riders but of mm-hmm. course that's clear across the board in any occupation any yeah yeah in america at least anyhow definitely it, you know there's there's a difference there but um so i i guess i wanted to really point uh just to see um because i know that one time you actually were uh doing a fundraiser for people to donate blankets you were mm-hmm. getting personally involved i would assume Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Because uh, yes, you know, you were doing you were doing that. It was very evident that you had a real concern for for people, and that that really moved me, Junie. But you've always been a person of passion uh, for people. You've always mm-hmm. been like that, mm-hmm. and so I knew I could trust whatever you were doing. I knew I could trust being <laughs> a part of it. You know, so right, right. Uh, that's that's just a blessing. That's just who you are. Yeah, it is interesting how God used that because mm-hmm. the first year. You know, after I rode 2010, uh, you know, my story was, I guess, let's go back to that, bring me, bring you up to this point. My story mm-hmm. was in 2010, I found out about the Hokahe in chemo. I was a two-time breast cancer uh, survivor. Mm-hmm. I was fighting for my life in March, reading about this in a Harley magazine. And so then I did a little Google search on my phone to find out what it was. And when I said to my doctor, do you think by June I'll be strong enough to ride my motorcycle from Key West, Florida to Homer, Alaska? He said, go live your life. Don't let this cancer slow you down. Mm -hmm. 
and he gave me a hundred dollars. <laughs> so wow. I had to either go ride the motorcycle ride or give the doctor his hundred dollars back. And mm -hmm. I wow. shared that story with my caregiver and my caregiver started a fundraiser that ended up mm -hmm. getting the, the money I needed to ride the Hokahe for the first mm -hmm. time. Uh -huh. So <laughs> all that being said, mm -hmm. um, brings us back to what, where was I going to go with this? I'm sorry. Um, well, you were going to, you were going to share your, um, how it's made a blessing for you, how, how it really has affected. Right. Uh, the cancer has, you know, I had never, I would have never even ridden this ride because I was employed. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't have time to ride a motorcycle ride across the United States, mm -hmm. you know, and that kind of thing. But when I got cancer, then I retired and then here comes, you know, this, this motorcycle ride that I'm reading about in, you know, in a Harley magazine, mm -hmm. but I have been able to, oh, the blanket ride is what we were talking about. Uh -huh. So that year, that 2010, um, I wasn't sure if that's where, because I had retired now I've got all this time on my hands. I wasn't sure if that's where God wanted me, you mm -hmm. know, do you want me to start riding my motorcycle for, you know, this, these Lakota people and what do you want me to do here? And so I started really praying and looking for confirmation and he continued to give me confirmation over and over again. And so in that, that time between 2010 and 2011, I thought to kind of get out there and meet the people, this blanket drive would be a good thing for them, you know? Mm -hmm. And I asked about, you know, I asked Beth and Jim if they thought it would be you know, okay to do that. And they said, yeah. And so that first year, we only raised a pickup trucks full of blankets. Mm. And so there's 40,000 people on the Indian reservation, and I'm going to South Dakota with a pickup truck full of blankets. And I felt like, you know, it wasn't even a drop in the bucket. Mm -hmm. But I also knew mm. that if nobody does anything, nothing gets done. But if everybody mm. did a little, a lot would get done. Mm -hmm. You know, so I went ahead and I drove out there, me and my friend Dana drove out there with those blankets. And instead of going like right to the Indian reservation, they had us come to where there was a tribal meeting. Uh -huh. And instead of those wow. blankets just touching one Indian tribe, it touched like 132 tribes were in attendance mm. at that meeting. Wow. Yeah. They had us distribute the blankets to these different tribes and share mm -hmm. them with them mm -hmm. and so the word got out about the blanket drive and somebody gave a business card to a friend of mine and said you need Junie to call me and so I called the guy and it was a guy his last name was Davidson of funny enough Harley Davidson but right. his, uh -huh. Davidson you know and he had uh, started an organization called Gleaner Gleaning for the World Mm -hmm. And he gets, he repurposes um, things like bottled water, um, you know, usable things for different places. And he uh -huh. had all these blankets. Mm. And I said, you know, wow, you know, what do we have to do, you know, and that kind of thing. And, and he said, well, how many blankets do you need? And I said, well, there's 40,000 people on the Indian reservation. How many have you got? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so he, he told me that a truckload would be about five or 6,000 blankets. 
And so I went on Facebook and I just asked my friends on Facebook, would you help me pay for the fuel to get these blankets from Virginia to South Dakota to these people? Mm-hmm. And my church, the church I was going to at the time, when the blankets were going to arrive, sent a van load of people to help, you know, unload this truck and distribute these blankets to the, mm. to the Lakota people. Mm. So we parked a semi right next to this coffee shop and just started an assembly line and distributed those blankets that day. Mm. And the money that we raised not only paid for the fuel for that semi, it paid for the fuel in the hotel rooms for these people that volunteered their time from the church. Oh, wow. So that's how God provides, you know, he, he wanted that to happen and he made it happen. So you know, yeah. I knew that that was more confirmation that this was where I needed to be because if it hadn't, if it wasn't supposed to happen, it wouldn't have happened. Yes. It seemed, right? it seemed like that was more of a confirmation for a personal ministry for you. Right. Yep. And even though um, um, Red Cloud, um, Mr. Red Cloud, you know, he had that initiation. But had you not gotten a part of that initiation, that carryover, that overflow, you know, who knows if that would have happened just with your, with your intent to, you know, just be a blessing. Judy, that's awesome. Well, I like to think that God will find the person that will do his work. Yeah. You just have to be willing to trust that he's got a plan and be willing to just put one foot in front of the other, knowing that, you know, it's safe to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, and it felt right to me. You know, yeah. and, and I, like I said, over this 10 years, we've just continued to be blessed. I mean, year 2018's event, we raised $250,000. Uh-huh. So now the money has been doubled. And mm-hmm. so that just confirms to me that this is a blessing. We, all these different organizations that these riders went out and raised this money, you know, I just am so thankful that they have been put in our path and they're willing to go. These routes are not easy. I, I mean, this I last about, one. Yeah, that, I read about that in the book. That's, oh. The one in 2020 that I just did mm-hmm. was the most intense one I've done yet. But this is very technical riding. This is not uh, interstates. I mean, you're not just going on an interstate and going from point A to point B. You are riding back roads and you know then of course Alaska up there there's nothing up there you better make sure you got all the gas you need and I mean I twice ran out up there but the Lord provided I was you know just happened to pull off on a concrete embankment on a bridge because I knew I was going to run out Mm -hmm. and I didn't Joanne I didn't look two minutes at what I was going to do I turned my head and there was a couple that had been camping the night before that had gas for their generator. Wow. <laughs> so, I mean, thank you, Lord. Yeah. Right? In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's so brave of you. Oh, my goodness. So, I, I mean, tell, tell us more about the 2021 that would made it such a difference. I mean, how many years you've been going now? Since at least, what, 10 this years? Was, this was the eighth event. We've been, mm. t- 2010 was when we started the event, but there was a couple of years that we went two years and didn't have events. Okay. And I've ridden all of them. Mm. I started with them in 2010 
and I've ridden every event since, you know, 2010. So this was the eighth one. Mm -hmm. This one, my arms felt like wet noodles by the time I was done for the day. I mean, so much turning, 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 twisting, twisting, you know, and then Mm -hmm. just navigating too. You know, not only are you having to operate this motorcycle, you're having to watch these directions to see when your next turn's coming up, because, you know, you're going to turn in three miles, or you're going to turn in eight miles, or you're going to turn in 12 miles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to pay attention to all that stuff. And of course, be safe about it. Yeah. You know, it's not a race. It's, it's an endurance challenge. It's I not think, about mm-hmm. getting there fast. It's mm-hmm. about getting there. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's about yeah. getting there alive. Safely. Yeah. I realized yes. that when she was, uh, Abigail spoke about that in her book that they, there was a couple of deaths one year. Yeah, and another year, there's a few hospitalizations. And I, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't realize it was she really spoke about, you know, some of the things you have to consider, like you were saying, just not only handling the bike, reading the instructions. I didn't realize when she was talking about, you, like you were saying, your, your, your arms felt like noodles. I was like, I, I didn't, I'm not a motorcycle rider. Mm-hmm. So I never would even think about that kind of thing being a problem. Right. Right. And one of the things that Abby, Abby was talking about in her book was she's kind of comparing what it's like for a woman to do this versus a man. Mm-hmm. Men are stronger for the most part. They have uh, better upper body strength and things like that. But with these endurance rides, it's it's I don't think it's so much about men versus women or if mm-hmm. men are better at this or than women, mm-hmm. because you really just have to be a good rider. You have to be, you know, uh, able to do these technical curves and be able to, you know, navigate well, or you're going to end up off somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, even as men, I've been riding since I was 10. So I feel like I'm a pretty good rider, but this year, this bike that I had, I'm not trying to make excuses, but this was the first year for this bike. It's the biggest bike I've ever owned. It's heavier than any bike I've ever owned, but it's like, you could practically ride this bike with no hands because it is such an amazingly balanced bike. Mm -hmm. but just the intimidation that I kind of let get the best of me this year. And plus this route was the hardest route. Like I said, I've ever had Um, Mm -hmm. by the end of it, I was ready to quit, but I didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, I I kept going. (laughs) I was telling my brother-in-law just this week, a story about this lady I ran into in Alabama in a gas station. I was, um, I was exhausted. Alabama was like, the night before I would finally get back to Florida for this year's event. It ran from Florida back to Florida. We did a circle around the United States. Mm-hmm. And I went into this gas station and they, hunt, they have pizza. So I thought, okay, I'll have a piece of pizza, take a break here and you know, maybe I'll get some sleep and finally get back to Florida. But I was just at mentally, physically, emotionally, I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And, um, I go into the gas station and they've got pizza, but they, they don't, you know, they sell it by the slice, but they've only got things that I really don't want. And so I asked the lady if she was going to make any more of that kind. And she gave me this attitude about the pizza. And she was like, at this time of night, and she just, well, I'm not going to do that, you know? And so she's like telling other people in the gas station, she wants me to make a whole pizza just for one slice of pizza. And I'm like, Never mind. I'll eat some <laughs> wow. cheese sticks or something, you know. <laughs> so, 
I went out and went back outside. And so then I'm sitting there for a while, kind of trying to regroup. So then I go back in and I say to her, because I have this thought, I'll write my directions in Sharpie on my thing so I can see them and I can get uh-huh. to Florida tonight. I was going to uh-huh. be done tonight. Uh-huh. So I go in there and I said, do you have a Sharpie that I can use for a minute? And she says, I only have one. And I said, well, I'll bring it right back. I just want to write something down and then I'll bring it right back. Well, she starts like the, with the pizza incident, announcing to the whole place no. oh my that I need this Sharpie, right? And she's only got one. Oh, and no. I started crying. And I'm like, you know, I just want to get to Florida. And I'm like bawling my eyes out. And she goes, and I told her this whole story. I've been out on this road for 10,000 miles and I'm exhausted and I just want to get back to Florida and I didn't need to use your Sharpie, you know? And she's <laughs> like, oh my God. And you wanted a piece of pizza, didn't you? And I told you, you couldn't have a piece of pizza. She goes, here, have the whole pizza. <laughs> she hands me a whole pizza. Oh, wow. Just, she was just so like that. At that point, she goes, I didn't know it was all that. Uh, you know, uh, I just thought you were, you know, she saw how dirty I was. Mm-hmm. She figured I was just some homeless person or something that uh-huh. didn't, you know, deserve uh. to have her respect or something. Uh, uh. And so I just, you know, it was so funny mm. to have her turn around like that and, uh, you know, give me the Sharpie, give me a pizza. You know, mm-hmm. I think she'd have given me a hug if she'd have been on the other side of the counter at that point. But uh-huh. it was just, just kind of how... God will use somebody. Her attitude really needed a change. And yeah. it, he, he brought me in there to kind of make her aware of the fact that she needed an attitude adjustment. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, <laughs> that's just amazing. I mean, she's living in her own little world. And when people come in looking like you did, she has one conclusion and one judgment and criticism about it. Because mm-hmm. everybody who comes in looking like you it's only doing one thing and don't, and, and probably getting on her nerves every time. Right. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. so, but you have yeah. the right story. The move of God just caused her to realize there's other things going on in the world besides just what she's been yeah. experiencing. Yeah, exactly. So, but I, but know, I love those kind of moments. I, I love know those you. Kind of moments. <laughs> I do. It just, it gives me another story, just like I just told you that, you know, how that was used. And then mm-hmm. the, I didn't make it all the way to Florida that night. So I, oh. I did take off and I rode for a little longer that night. Mm-hmm. And I got to a place where I slept. And when I got up in the morning, there was another lady that had a story, but her story was about her daughter's house burning down. And now mm-hmm. she had 10 kids living in her house. And the whole time I had been looking for somebody because I had 200 bucks in my wallet that was earmarked for a need. I knew God would find somebody out there that had a need for Mm -hmm. me. And the last day before I went in, here's this lady. And she, you know, we just got to talking about, you know, cancer always seems to bring people out, you know, they talk to you and stuff. And I just was sitting there, um, putting on my shoes, listening to her story. And then I went outside and her boss came out and was talking to me about motorcycle riding and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, she sent her out because I had said something to her boss about having cancer. She also had had, had been a cancer survivor. Mm. 
And so she goes, you know, you need to go talk to that lady. And she goes, comes out there to talk to me. And I said, it is just funny how God placed you right in front of me. And I said, I have something for you. I've been carrying around for two weeks. And I gave her that $200. And she said, you know, they're going to cut off my lights Monday. Mm. So, you know, Mm -hmm. use me. That's what I say. Mm -hmm. If it's that kind of thing, if it's stories like that, I love it. Yeah, I love it. I was just going to say before you, you know, told us, I want you to tell us more too. I was going to say that about your own personality. If that lady in the cafe would have known, I mean, if, if it would have been you on the other side, that would have been a totally different story. I mean, you would have baked the pizza. <laughs> you know, you would have bought you would have bought her a sharpie if there was a store nearby. I mean, it would have totally different response. Yeah. And then yet, every time we go somewhere, you be you're a blessing where you go, but it's not always going to be that returning to you. Uh, well, until God know. moves, but that was a move of God when you know just just the brokenness that you expressed caused her to realize there's something more happening. She needed that yeah. experience. She did. And, 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 you know, it's, you know. But then the lady I, with I, cancer too. I don't mean to interrupt you. I mean, it's just amazing. The timeliness, you're on your way home and yeah. God opens up the door for, you know, the multiplication of bread and fish. I mean, right. you got, you exactly. know, just like with yeah. Jesus, you know. Yep. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's, I'm so thankful, you know, mm-hmm. that it uses me because, and, but it's not always convenient. It, it's mm-hmm. not always, you know, helping others is not always um, beneficial. <laughs> it might cost you something, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, so many times we're not willing, if it's going to cost me something, well then, you know, maybe I shouldn't help because, you know, I'll help if it doesn't cost me anything, mm-hmm. but, you know, even our time, yeah. you know, he wants our time. I don't have a big stack of money that I'm handing out to people. The reason mm-hmm. I had the $200 was because somebody gave it to me. Mm-hmm. They thought I'd need it. Wow. Isn't and I was going to, yeah, I was going to give it to somebody. I knew that. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know who. And when she started telling that story about her daughter being living with her now, and she's got 10 kids there now because mm. it, her husband was ill. I mean, it, there was just this whole sad story. Mm. And it was like, if this isn't the person that's supposed to get $200 from me, I don't know who is. Not that $200 was even a drop in the bucket, but for her, it was a real blessing. I yeah. mean, she was literally going to have her lights turned off if she didn't pay her bill by Monday. Yeah. Who so, knows how that worked out for her? That could have been an right. open door for more mercies. About, you, know, you know what yeah. I mean? It may, not, it may have been more than enough. Because she made him, maybe she had to say to the light company or whatever it was, or whatever utility, all I have is this, and somebody on the other side, just like you, saying, you know, well, we, we, you know what, and this kind of thing. It's just mm-hmm. amazing. You're right. We, if we could just say, God, I'll do this. I'll, yes, you just take mm-hmm. care of everything, and I'll do it. That's amazing. Yeah. And he does. Yeah, well, he provides. I mean, he's got the cattle on a thousand hills. Right? Yeah. So he, he can provide. If he wants it to happen, he provides it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I just uh, feel, like I said, very privileged to be used. And, you know, it took being willing to listen. I mean, you have to be 
willing to be manipulated and it had, it can't be your way anymore. Uh-huh. So many times, you know, I lived my life my way, but you know, he kept bringing me back. I've been a Christian since I was a kid. I got saved in vacation Bible school as uh-huh. a kid. So he never forgot me. He never left me. He was always there, even in those crazy times, uh-huh. you know, and there, there was plenty, you know, but I think those crazy times were where I wasn't so fearful anymore to be in the midst of troubles. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. When people are having problems, I don't, I don't fear them or I don't judge them anymore because I, oh, you know, it's because of this, it's because of that, it's uh-huh. their own fault. You know, I was, I was brought down to a point where it wasn't my fault, uh-huh. <laughs> but people could say that it, you know, whatever they want to say. Uh-huh. So it kind of it kind of made me more open to being more understanding and compassionate. Right. I know, you know that. Did you say that um, cancer came upon you in 2010? Yeah, I, I was uh, diagnosed in nine and I was still in chemo in 10. Yeah, 2009 and nine. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't know that that it happened for me the same way. But I thought yeah. when I yeah. called you. I thought when you told me, um, I don't know when it was we talked, but I, I didn't know that it was the same time period. Yeah, I think we were both doing the cancer dance about the same time. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I, I know I reached out to you for the, uh, when we, you know, we had the second time and I got counsel for you for that, you know, when, it, when I had my second bout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, that's that's just amazing. I was just trying to think of, think of the timeless because I tell you, I I felt like, <laughs> I mean, I felt like cheated. I felt like I don't know what I felt like, but I was sorry. I spent hours crying. I cried so much during that. I uh, my face changed, mm. and I didn't realize until I started seeing the wrinkle have a frown mm. in the in the mirror. I was like, and the Lord told me, "You've been crying." You've been crying too much. You've been crying. And I had to find something to lift my, just turn around, you know? I know mm-hmm. that, um, so when I found out what you were doing, and I, I mean, just knowing, I knew that it was just, uh, it was God, you know? Mm-hmm. And it lifted yeah. me to be able to be participating and somehow, because I mean, I didn't, you know, I'm a housewife at home, not getting, you know, didn't really have, things to give and I said whatever I got I'm gonna I'm gonna participate in this if I can just give one blanket (laughs) right well and you know what I love about you Joanne and our friendship has been you know as you said 30 some years is you're so smart as far as spiritual understanding and you really dig deep into the scriptures and you kind of I kind of gleaned from that and I appreciate that about you you know you have so many times have quoted scriptures that are are appropriate for different things we're talking about Mm -hmm. and although I you know I remember them I'm not as like knowledgeable like you are you have that all because you've spent so my so many hours digging deep and I appreciate that so much about you I appreciate your gift of mercy and that's one thing I I have found myself coming short of a lot I was uh I had to learn that it's a choice it's a choice to be merciful. And it's right there in the scripture. So yeah, I ran across that. I was like, oh, wait. 
this is not a gift. We're not talking about the gift mm -hmm. of mercy, which there is a gift mm -hmm. of mercy. But then there's mm -hmm. this just normal place to be reserved in our heart to be merciful. Mm -hmm. And I'm still putting myself on check with that, you know, so, and I, I, I think I, that's a daily thing. I think yeah. that's a daily Isn't thing, Joanne. We, well, because we're so deep in our, you know, thought processes, it takes a lot to, to get those processes re-patterned. You know what I mean? You, everybody has some, somewhat of a, you know, of a pattern that they were raised with or that they just came to believe as the truth I see. you know and until we are kind of brought to an awareness of how untrue maybe that is or how circumstances may be different in our in things then then maybe not yeah. you know so yeah thank but, you yeah. for that I, I i just I, go ahead i i just love how like i said i love how knowledgeable you are you know, I mean, you schooled your own children. That's amazing. Um, you know, just so I appreciate that about you. I appreciate that you can use those scriptures oh. that, you know, in your heart, you know, when we have conversations, it really, it's just like, it's mentoring me. It really Thank is. You. Bless you for that. I, I, I've seen um, this, you know, my crossover from death to life in Christ was so, mm -hmm. it, it it was, it was, um, God let me know the difference was his work. I did not have that. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and I, he also let me know that every episode of death trying to take my life, I mean, in my faith, death, it mm -hmm. was God that kept me. And there was a reason for it. And I figured that everything that was coming after that was the reason our friendship, our friendship. My children. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, so I felt the only way I'm going to have this life maintained is through his word. And that's really, Julie, that's it. I was too afraid mm -hmm. not to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just too afraid not to. And mm -hmm. I want that kind of fear of the Lord in my life, you know? But, mm -hmm. um, but to recognize how merciful he is with each of us, we all have our, our gifts and, um, we all are, are made uh, to follow after him, you know? And I, I, that's mm -hmm. what I find with, with you, Julia. I find that you have hungered for pleasing him. That's what I recognize. Mm -hmm. That's what I recognize in your life. And that's, that's just a notable thing for you. You want to please God. That's it. Mm -hmm. and, it's, and that's just, that's, that makes the uh, friendship trustworthy. To me, that makes it. Yeah, well, I love everything you know, about he, your life. Everything about it. He's. Uh, oh man, you're beautiful. My car, my car got stolen yesterday. What? <laughs> How's that for? Yeah, that's loving, uh, huh? My my <laughs> life, a lovely huh? thing. Her car got stolen. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> I keep thinking. Well, it does have some nice seats that can fold down if they're sleeping back there or something. Oh, Maybe it's man. a homeless person that needed a car. I don't know. We'll see Why, how God's going to answer that. If you see your, right, I know. You see your right. joy about it. You're laughing about it. <laughs> well, it's just, I'm like, you know, it's suburbia America here. They don't steal your car. I mean, this is just <laughs> what happened here. Wow. So anyway, God's having the yeah. last laugh. Okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. He's having the but, last. Let me, let me keep me posted. That's all. <laughs> 
well, what I start, what I started to say after you said that was, I do love how I call them a show off sometimes, because I'll see something so obvious, you know, that it's him. Mm -hmm. You know, something I can't think of any instance right at the, the very moment. Oh, yes, I can. I was out on my mail route in Orland Park uh-huh. and I was hungry. I had 60 cents in my pocket. And you remember Iwan's Deli? They had really good soups and, and they catered and stuff like that. But anyway, they were at like 159th in Harlem. Okay. And yeah, anyway, I would get soup from there every day and it was $1.60. So all I needed was a dollar. Uh-huh. So I was praying to the Lord. I said, you know, all I need is a dollar and I can have lunch and I know you're faithful. And, you know, I'm just kind of taking, trying to be positive about this because mm-hmm. I'd like some lunch, you know. And so I get to the last part of the route where, you know, it's, I'm going to be out of the truck and I'm going to be seeing the ground that there's money or anything. And it was like, no money. So I get to this last delivery and I jump out of the truck and here's five bucks. <laughs> like I started this happy dance and the UPS driver is back there delivering packages too. Mm-hmm. And I start this happy dance and, and uh, he looks at me with this puzzled look and I go, I said, I prayed for a dollar and God bless my, uh, my faithfulness so much. You gave me a tip. <laughs> I just, so I went over there and I had lunch and it was just, you know, wow. it's stuff like that, that I just laugh wow. yeah. and I go, you are such a show off, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So That's what he does. Yeah, well. I, he does. And I, and he know, you know, he lets you know, it's, it's not a coincidence. Mm-hmm. You know, you asked for this and here you go. Yeah. You have enough faith in me that all you want is a cup of soup. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, if you're hungry, you should feed your brothers, you know, give them your coat. They're cold. Right. And, you know. That makes me think about this one thing. Where was there like a dual, um, I should say a dualistic like attitude or experience between sharing, walking in your faith. And then having to encounter the faith of the Native American. Is there, was there some, you know, can you express any experience that you have with that? Personally, or um, any conclusions you came to? Well, I, as I had said early, they're very content. I see that in them. Um, willing to share with each other. As far as their faith, I am humbled. You know, I thought I was a pretty good believer. I thought I, you know, had a pretty good relationship with the Lord. And then I went to a Sundance. And, um, you know, I feel like the Native American people and Christians are talking about the same God. Mm -hmm. It's just um, the way we interpret and the way God reveals himself to us. It's not always the same. And so I think it's going to take some time for us to, to heal because there's been so much irreversible damage to between relationships between, yeah. you know, Native Americans and others, Europeans uh-huh. that have come to this country. And God knows it's been years and years and years. Uh-huh. But um, they have so much faith and they have so much love for 
the creator is what they call him. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, like I said, the worship that I saw at Sundance was, was moving. I was, uh-huh. you know, I was humbled and it was, it was just amazing that I was allowed to experience that. Uh-huh. You know, I don't think that was a coincidence. Again, I think it was, you know, meant to, to kind of, you know, open my eyes to, mm-hmm. you know, what God wants to, to show me, what God, how God wants to use me to give me a better understanding of, you know, of the, the Native American people. And, you know, so, but as far as their spirituality, I think they're very, very in touch with their creator. Mm-hmm. I know that as you opened up, particularly on, um, on this uh, podcast, but uh, even through our life experiences, how you, you know, opened up and told me about your experiences with the uh, Native Americans and your, your work with them and everything, it's changed my thinking. The influence that it has made on my life is to be more concerned, to be, uh, I know how to pray about it now. I know how to uh, recognize where there's laws that could be made and, you know, things like that to, uh, to let the effect of God's purpose, his kingdom coming on the earth, be an effect in, in that uh, community. Uh, mm-hmm. And have our, have our laws change here. But, so, in other words, everybody you share your experiences with, you're influencing them to do the same. It's what you're changing us. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of like the work of an evangelist, you know, bringing change to people's lives, causing change, directing change. Yeah. And I think that kind of thing like this one-on-one between us is Mm -hmm. how it has to be done. I don't think any, uh, you know, mass group type of environment is going to change everybody's minds. Mm -hmm. They have to, like anything, there has to be an experience. There has to be, you know, some flesh in the game, I guess, in order for you to really understand you know, you have me as your flesh in the game. I've mm-hmm. been the one that's been kind of conveying to you mm-hmm. the experience that I've had in the last 10 years over, you know, this whole Hoka Hay Motorcycle Challenge event because you've mm-hmm. known about it and followed me and tracked me. And so many times there's been, um, you know, I've been out on the Indian reservations that I've just had so many blessings. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they bless me more than they realize that I'm blessing them, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, it's so, uh, you know, so cool to be moved, to be used like, like that, you know, right. but, and I think in order to really, um, understand is you do have to do your homework. You can't just believe, you know, what, because, you know, I mean, you can, the, the whole pipeline issue when they were fighting over that pipeline, we didn't even hear about that in the media. You sure didn't. Nobody heard about that. I mean, they're hitting people with uh, water cannons at 37 degrees. That wasn't on the, the you know, more oh the goodness. evening news. Wow. Because what, you know? what I did hear of it, it was like, I, I was asking my husband, when did this happen? Mm-hmm. What's been going on? After right. that, nothing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and it, it was very evident that the people were, it was taken very, they were serious about this was a serious thing to them. Well, and, and the, yet, yeah. 
they're, they're, the problem with that whole issue was that wasn't just them. I mean, that's a waterway that runs into the waterways that we all drink from, <laughs> you know? So why people don't want to know about things like that, I don't understand. You know, but they just keep that stuff out of the news. If you're local, you might hear about it. But mm-hmm. if you're not local, you don't hear what's going you on. You won't hear in, about it. Mm-hmm. It's sad, um, but. So that's why we have to just rely on God, because we know he's the ultimate and he will take care of. He will take care of this. And so do the people there. They have faith in their creator that he's he's in control, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, yes, and uh, we do have to rely on him directing our steps. That's right. You know, as you were saying earlier, that sometimes we have our own little self uh, plans, our own self motives, to use a different terminology, but it's just we can be a selfish people without asking God what he wants. Mm -hmm. Or is it me, Lord, you know? Mm -hmm. Do I have any kind of effect anywhere? So... I know that since we've had our lives changed, um, you know, if my husband had a stroke, I'm going through these different health issues. And I had to uh, find uh, a reason that God would want me to do anything. So I had to come out of the four walls and get out and think, you know, talk, just talk to people, you know. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't have any uh, avenue, and so the Lord opened up avenues to me. I just went out and talked, mm-hmm. you know, talked to people. And uh, there's just been some nice uh, resolve to that, you know. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. using every avenue I can to be a blessing, to pour out, you know, inform, encourage people in, in God to believe and that kind of thing. So, um that's that's important to mm-hmm. um, for us to do to ask God how can I get involved? Well, and especially if we feel like we're already chin deep in our own issues, True. you know, mm-hmm. we're we are up to our chins and anything we can handle with our own lives, and we're supposed to take the rest of it and give it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you right. know, mm-hmm. it it's really hard to mm-hmm. think that way. It's really it hard to say, Lord, what are you doing here? And now you want me to go do this? Mm-hmm. What about all this? I've got all this. Well, I'm mm-hmm. going to give you one more thing. And then you realize that that one thing resolves a lot of those other things. Wow. You know, you're sitting at home. They can pour me. And you just happen to open your mouth talking to the person in the doctor's office that you're in that you really don't want to be in. But mm-hmm. lo and behold, that person sitting next to you is going through a lot more than you realize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And it's just stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Getting away from the poor me and, you know, I can't do anything because I've already got more on my plate than I can handle. Mm-hmm. You know? Forgetting that he's the one that's helping us handling it. That's or, right. Or, he, or he's carrying the burden himself. Yeah. I call that the spinning plate trick. Uh-oh. Tell me about you that. <laughs> like that the circus. Yeah, well, you know how when you go to the circus, there was those, those people yeah. that get the stick 
uh-huh. they'd start the plate spinning uh-huh. and then they go and they get another stick and they get this place. Now they got two of them spinning and then they get a uh-huh. third and they run over to the first one and spin it some more. Cause it's going to fall off and run to the second one, and spin it yeah. a little bit. And then they get uh-huh. like pretty soon you got, you know, 12 plates all spinning and none of, none of them are hitting the floor. Well, our lives sometimes feel like that. You got to keep running back over to this one, get this place spinning again, because, you know, we need some attention, but I really got to go over here because this is really needing attention. And oh, oh pretty soon. <laughs> uh huh. You know? Wow. Sometimes yeah, that's our, I thought of that. <laughs> sometimes that's our lives. Yeah. Sometimes wow. the plate hits the floor. Right? Right. And when, then we find out we didn't need that plate in the first place. Didn't need that plate anyway, it was chipped. <laughs> So, oh my goodness, what a glory! Man, that's beautiful, Joni. Oh my goodness. Well, the blessedness about this podcast having to come to an end is we have each other's telephone Right, that's right. We can keep talking, can't we? <laughs> we can keep talking and talking. My friend, you're beautiful. I mean, that was, um, it was reminded me of the day when uh, we had to move and you were there helping us move. I will mm-hmm. put your name out if you wanted me to, but you need help, help with moving. Do you oh. need the mover? No, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we had such a time day after uh, day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. But that's okay. You needed me there and I was there. I sure that's... did. Yeah, that was, that was another experience. You were telling me that God told you it was amazing. Yeah, well, it was God like- God told you to call me. You called me and said, God told me to call you. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And then if I remember correctly, I was babysitting my daughter's cats. So I was in your area for a week anyway. Yeah. Remember? Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, so I would go to her house, take care of the cats, and I'd come to your house and pack your stuff and then I'd go home and take care of the Amazing. cats and come to your house and pack stuff. <laughs> that was nothing but nobody but God. Okay. Nobody but God. It was right. I was nowhere in that. It was <laughs> that was totally the Lord. Yep. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Amazing love. Oh yep, my God. Yep. And I finally learned how good your husband was at making chicken wings. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Remember those chicken wings? They were great. Yeah, yeah, they were really great. I tell you, because guess what? While he was cooking them, I was not. <laughs> That's I what made him good, huh? <laughs> Girl, I trust you. I mean, I tried to cook some since then. You don't want any chicken. <laughs> just trust me, this didn't turn out well at all. Aww. Yeah, what he did well, I let it alone, girl. I didn't, I didn't right, touch just... it with him. Don't, don't mess with it. It's good. Not at all. But uh, I'm just really glad. I thank you so much for um, sharing your experience. Is there more you want to share? We can take a break now and come back. No, I just want, I do want to say thank you to Abby for the book, uh, Abby Van Valer. Uh, yeah. If you get a chance, you know, go on, uh, you know, her, go on Amazon and you can get this book. I love how she in the end, um, talks about her experience with her dad because yeah. she rode two Hoka Hayes with her dad. That was amazing. Yeah. I, that was amazing. Yeah. And what an experience to have with your dad that's a motorcycle rider, you know? Yeah. So yeah. It, I was crying. I mean, I'm a crier. That I'll admit that. But when I was reading that, I just felt for her. 
because, you know, I understand what the Hokahe is and I do know Abby and her dad. Yeah. Oh. And so it was, it was just, what a way to end the book. I really, you know, really enjoyed it. So I want to say thank you to Abby for, you know, yes, taking the I time to write this book. So that was important. I remember in the beginning where she was talking about just her, their first, her first endeavor going with her father how one time she had to actually literally pick him up off the ground mm -hmm. and had to wait for his legs to start, you know, getting back into function. It was amazing. I was like, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's got to care for herself. And then yet she had, she can't neglect her father. It was just, that mm -hmm. woman was, she's powerful. Yeah, different dynamic just, for sure. You know, because yeah. your, your dad just has a different influence on you than anybody else. That's true. You know. That's true. Well, thank you for that. Again, the author's name is Abigail Van Valera, B-L-E-R-A. Look her up on Amazon. The name of the book is Women Who Ride the Hoka K. That's H-O-K-A-H-E-Y. I want to thank you so much, Junie Rose, my friend. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. Our lives will be forever changed from your testimonies that you have shared today. Thank, uh, thank you, Joanne. Love you. I love you too. We'll talk soon. And everybody, good. that is the end of at the end of the day. Take a look at what you know that God has used you for. At the end of the day, you know the why. You know the when. Can you testify of the things that he has done without you even knowing that he would, but he did? At the end of the day, what are you going to say? See you all next time.